welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Thomas Patrick Dorian. Hello, Deacon Jeff. And Sam Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. And uh, so we have we, our show today is chock full of stuff. So we're not going to usually, you know, the usual, like the first 20 or so minutes is a bunch of levity. You know, we yeah. tell lots of jokes. No levity we're, today. No levity today because uh, we're we're in the middle of our fourth sorrow. We're in the fourth sorrow of Mary in our series on the seven sorrows of Mary. Mm-hmm. And by the way, we've gotten lots of uh, feedback. We've gotten lots of emails, lots of comments from people who've heard this, and they're really liking this. So uh, we are too. We really are. We love this idea. Uh, and to give credit where credit's due, I came up with this idea. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Ziggy did. This is Ziggy's idea that we're sort of uh, going through this, and because uh, he loves this devotion, and I'm convinced that this is the v- devotion for me as well. I'm I'm loving this as we go through it. So um, just j- continue to journey with us on this. We, we're going to be doing the uh, fifth, sixth, and seventh uh, in, in upcoming weeks. But today we're on the fourth star of Mary, which is Mary meets Jesus at Calvary. Now, if you look at other lists of the seven sorrows of Mary, uh, this devotion, you will sometimes see it referred to, this fourth one being referred to as the carrying of the cross, which is technically correct, and that's what we're talking about here. But really, I love this this uh, title for this particular dola or this particular uh, sorrow, uh, Mary meets Jesus at Calvary, because it just brings home uh, the relationship of Mary to the carrying of the cross, uh, and this idea that we're going to try to compassionate these these sorrows, and like how we would picture ourselves or, or relate to uh, Jesus's mother in in all of this. Um, I just love that. So Mary meets Jesus at uh, Calvary. So uh, Sam, help us. Where do we where do we start in this particular uh, sorrow? Well, a couple of things I want to point out, and I think is interesting for us to think about. Uh, this is the middle point of the seven sorrows right we did the first three and after this we'll have the last three yeah right and so i think as you'll see as we go through these it's going to draw together stuff from the first three and it's going to set things up for us to carry us forward into the last well, I, three i'm gonna stop just for one second because yeah because you're exactly right. i, I want to point out that you know there there's seven sorrows for a reason and 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 numerically how the number seven is used in scripture mm-hmm. right is this biblical number of completion or fullness perfection. right perfection like the the biblical number of perfection uh the number the seven sacraments and all these kind of things that are related to seven so it's beautiful and and perfect that it that there's seven sorrows but you make a great point sam that these are all interrelated mm-hmm. you, there can't be six sorrows of mary there must be seven yes and, and they're connected to each other and that the, and the connecting vines are Jesus and Mary intertwined through this whole thing. Yes. Right. So that's powerful. I just wanted to stop for a second to put this in perspective that you don't want to look at each individual sorrow of Mary as a standalone unit that's unrelated to the next. No, that's also true. And, and another thing, you know, in terms of zeroing in on Mary meeting Jesus at Calvary, you know, that's something that is um, it's not in Scripture uh, in terms of the encounter, the direct encounter that uh, of Mary having an encounter with Jesus on the way of the cross. That is. Uh, 
of the fourth station of the cross. Um, it is uh, a part of sacred tradition. Um, it is in scripture that Mary was present, obviously, at the crucifixion. You know, we have John nineteen twenty five. It says, "Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and Mary and, mo- and mother sister Mary, the wife of Clo- Clovis, and Mary Magdalene." So there it was, standing by the cross of Jesus. Was oh yeah, his Mar- mother. Mary's there, but she didn't just like suddenly appear she there. She just suddenly appear. Right, exactly. You have to, it's reasonable that Mary was present in all of this. Exactly. And so that's one of the things, if we're going to compassionate Mary uh, watching Christ carry his cross and especially compassionate Mary and put ourselves in her shoes when she had that moment, if she indeed had that moment as, our, as the as sacred tradition teaches us that she did, yeah. um, that... Uh, you know, we really need to put ourselves in her shoes, but get, you know, by first taking into account um, all that she took in throughout Christ's, you know, after his arrest, his condemnation, his public humiliation, his scourging, his beating, his mocking. You know, people were, were saying, were, were mocking his kingship, his, the, the crown of thorns being placed upon his head. Behold the man. He was scourged. People, he was, they, they offered to free Barabbas. Right, instead of uh, Jesus, and they said, give us Barabbas. They were yelling, crucify him, crucify him. Okay, so let's think about this for a second. Mary also walked along Jesus throughout his public ministry, right? And she saw thousands of people following Jesus during those three years of his public ministry. And she, she probably got to know some of them. She saw Jesus perform miracles, saw him perform miracles of healing, saw him deliver people from the devil these are she saw jesus changing people's lives this is reason again reasonable things to infer um if she walked alongside him in those three years that she likely saw those things and got to know some of those people and, and would know their faces and would know their faces right and would see them shouting to crucify him right that's the thing and yes. she and she would and she would be well within her rights but the blessed mother would not do this yes. and there is no there's a there may there's maybe false scriptures but there's no scripture would say that she would say did he not raise you from the dead? Did he not heal your mother? Did he not like give you, uh, you know, uh, heal your your oxen? Even if it wasn't scolding, just pointing out like, mm-hmm. this is crazy. Why are you trying to crucify the man that helped you? Right, right. right? She she, ha- she was within her rights to do that. I'm not saying that she would do that. No, but you're <laughs> you're correct though because think about it. Like the population density of Jerusalem is not like it what it is in like New York City or some major city. That's right. right? And so Jesus having thousands of followers during the course of the, those three years, um, the fact is there's a good chance that some of those followers were there shouting "Crucify him!" Yeah. Shouting, uh, you know, you know. All sorts of terrible things, mocking him, spitting upon him. And they'd rather have Barabbas. <laughs> and saying, give us Barabbas. Right, exactly. And so, you know, she had seen these things. So if she had seen those people, the question becomes also, what did she not see in those moments during Christ's condemnation? Like she, well, we know that she didn't see the apostles, except maybe John. Um, he had a handful of faithful followers at that point who were still there. Other than her, there was John and Mary Magdalene. We know those for sure, right? Um, she probably just heard Peter had denied him. She probably did, <laughs> right? Exactly, exactly. And 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 because and by all accounts, everyone else at that point had scattered. And and so I, I'm reminded as I say this of uh, there's a beautiful. Uh, reflection by uh, Monsignor James P. Shea. Back then, it was Father James P. Shea. Uh, it's called "Glimpses Along the Way of the Cross." He did it for Lighthouse Media many years ago, and he says that you know there's subtle differences between the four gospel accounts of our Lord's Passion, but they all have one thing in common: the loneliness of his passion. And so, I'm asking us to let's put ourselves in in Mary's shoes amidst the loneliness 
of our Lord's passion. She was there. And of course, we don't know exactly what she witnessed. Um, but at the end of the day, and we, 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 we know that she wasn't there. Let's put it like this way. We know she wasn't there during the, uh, when Christ was arrested, right? We have no reason to believe she was there. We have no reason to believe that she was there in the Sanhedrin. We have no reason to believe that she was in the Praetorium or in Herod's court, right? But in terms of when uh, Jesus is being brought out to the masses, when people are condemning him, when people are saying crucify him. And the odds are she's there. And the odds are she's there. Or at least I think it's legitimate. It's perfectly reasonable to believe that she was. Yes, it's perfectly reasonable. And it's I think and I think it's worthy of taking those scriptures. And actually what I've done is I'm going to uh, tell you the scripture verses if you want to write them down. If you want to pray with scripture, these are the scripture experts, the sections of Christ's passion that it's reasonable to assume that Mary was present for this and was witnessing this, right? So um, among those, so from John, John 19, 1 through 7, and then John 19, 12 through 17, uh, the, the middle sections, 8 through 11, was when uh, he was back in the Praetorium and uh, talking to uh, Pontius Pilate. Right. Uh, Matthew 27, uh, 15 through 32, uh, Mark 15, 6 through 21, and then Luke 23, 18 through 32. I'm a, I, and I, uh, you know what? I'm going to get a, a g- give you time to get a pencil or a pen yes. and a writing <laughs> a piece of paper or whatever, and I'll repeat those after we finish talking about some of these. Sure, so, yeah, So yeah, just yeah. know that we'll give you those verses again. So so what are we going to find? What are we going to read, Sam, in those particular scriptures that we want to point out? Well, a few things. I think, first of all, again, just uh, the absolute, I mean, th- this, is a, this is a man that... Uh, she conceived in her womb by the power of the Holy Spirit. She knew that he was God's son. An angel of the Lord came to her and proclaimed this to her, that this was God's will, that God willed to bring, to take on flesh within her womb. She gave her yes to this. She... Well, so, so that, that obviously right there is, we take so many things for granted when we, when we talk about right. the virgin birth. But honestly, it's like... She, Jesus is a miracle baby. Yes. Right? And she knows she didn't have relations with a man. Right. She knows that she has no reason to have a baby. And so she has she believes Gabriel. Yes. Right? And of course she said you, you point out rightly that she, she gave her fiat, her yes. Uh, and we're thankful for that, yes. Right. But she knows that this is that Jesus is I mean, this is a miracle come to earth. He is exactly who who he says he is. And yeah. who and, and she she received, you know, the later confirmations, of course, uh, throughout his life, but there she is seeing this man who is love itself. She knows how perfect he is in love and virtue. He knows she knows his heart for humanity. And she is seeing and she knows also that he's there to save humanity. And right. she's seeing humanity, the people that he loves, the people he's there to save, the people he has probably loved, like we were saying, and healed and saved in various contexts in the past, turning on him and mocking Torture. him and saying, give us Barabbas. Um, I, I, I can't imagine the feeling, you know, she knows that he is the fulfillment of the, 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 the Davidic uh, prof- the prophecies of the Davidic messianic, uh, you know, uh, prophecies, and there he is receiving this crown of thorns after being beaten mm. and scourged, and there they are draping him in the purple, saying, "Behold the man!" Mm-hmm. Right? You know, like that. I can't imagine how heartbreaking that must have been for her, or watching him get scourged. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've saw the Passion of the Christ. We know. Uh, 
we have an idea of what Jesus went through, and she's seeing this in her own eyes, right? And Jesus is given the cross, and he's carrying the cross, and you know, along the way of the cross, you know, she's she sees him probably encountering the daughters of Jerusalem as well, uh, having Simon the Cyrenian step in to to help him. The daughters of Jerusalem. You know, he says, she, we don't know whether she heard what he said to the daughters of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. but he said to them, weep for yourselves, right? And I think that there's something in there that is important for us to realize because he knew, Jesus knew, that they saw a man suffering. That's why they were weeping. They didn't see the God-man suffering. Mary saw the God-man suffering. And so... That's and, why it's important to recognize that she, uh, she knew... Jesus as God man she knew he was the fulfillment of the, the she knew he was the messiah yes whereas they might have suspected he was but didn't really again miracle baby she knows all this stuff happened right. in a very special a very personal way that and, and this is, she has to process all this and they some would believe that he was the messiah and some but they would still see him as like a, a really nice guy that was there to help them right and right. and that part was tragic it truly was but but she knew more, and it was deeper and more profound for her. Well, and, and in that moment, you know, like, so she'd been watching Jesus get scourged and whipped and mocked and spat upon and beaten from afar. So now, as as Mary meets Jesus at Calvary, the fourth sorrow and also the fourth station of the cross, what was seen from afar is now seen up close, right? Oh, yeah. So Mary's eyes meet Jesus. You know, we don't know how much time they had together in that moment. We don't know whether she reached out to touch him or whether they said anything to each other. And we know, though, her instincts as a, as a parent, as a mother, would cause her to want to intervene to, to protect him, right? To stop all of this once and for all. And yet she knew there was no way to stop this. Mm-hmm. And none of this, of course, took Jesus by surprise that this was happening. Yeah, see, and when you say it that way, it's so prof- uh, profound. Because, you know, in the gospel, according to Mel Gibson... <laughs> In, in, in the movie The Passion, now I'm right. teasing, but 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 what the way he envisioned Mary, you know, meeting Jesus along the way, yes, right, was so beautiful, and and what what Mary saw, and what she just when he fell and she ran to him, mm. you know, as a mother to her her son with a skinned knee, and that's one of the images oh, yes, he uses, yes, yes. which is very powerful, like a, this mother drawn to this child of hers who's, who's injured, who's hurt, and she just wants to go and hold him and, and make it all better and kiss his boo-boo. And all. I mean, so that's, her, that's her motherly instinct, right? right? Uh, but, and, and then, then he, she sees this man bruised and broken and bloody and sweaty, you know, falling with this huge cross he's carrying. And she knows all this stuff about he's God, man. And she knows his mission on the earth and, and, and all that stuff. It's all bundled up. And then what Jesus says is, is well, what Mel Gibson imagines Jesus said to her at yeah, that moment. Yeah. I want to be clear about that. That's not scriptural, but it's from another place in scripture. But see, I make all things new. Right. That's what he says to her. Right. And it's just so powerful because it's like even in the midst of all that, she sees perhaps, well, in reality, the strongest man alive. Yes. Ever. Right. She, and so she, she, she's even she's ministered to at that moment, even by her son in yes. that profound moment. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and and you know Mary had heard 
no doubt Jesus saying in you know he says many times in scripture that the son of man must suffer and die in order to be resurrected you know she's no she no doubt had conversations with him or heard him say such things and uh and had heard her his disciple him, him urge his disciples to take up their cross and follow me if you don't take up your cross and follow me you cannot be my disciple and there's a chance that Mary and Jesus probably had many deep personal conversations uh you know about what was to come and Mary you know we talked earlier about her immaculate heart being that 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 perfect interior shock absorption system and and also being this perfect perfectly ordered you know also as a matter of church tradition to uh towards contemplation she was able to receive Christ's words and teachings in a way that we couldn't, right? And she also uh, is able to receive this moment on a level that no one else there right. was able to. Right, we have to remember again that she's been preserved from the stain of original sin. Yes. And she is the greatest of all creatures, right? So she's been prepared for this moment. But even though, Sam, that she's prepared for this, she's it's still hard. It's still hard. There's <laughs> it's a, a sorrow. Right? It is. She's, she cannot divorce herself from, from her motherhood. And, and the other thing to keep in mind is, you know, Jesus, you know, a lot of times we think of him sort of as a, uh, this, this victim, you know, we're, we're so bad and he's this victim, uh, uh, unwilling victim, you know what I mean? Is the implication by that teaching and that by approach. But I think there's actually something really important. We've been harping the fact that he's he's Lord. He's God of the universe, right? He's co-eternal with the Father. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a priest, Father John Ricardo, wonderful priest. He, has, he gives a talk and he says, how do you nail the God of the universe to a tree? Where do you, where do you buy that nail? Right. And it's, uh, and Home it's, Depot does not have that now. <laughs> right. And, well, and, and he says he that he's only on that cross because he wants to be there. And Jesus himself said, no one takes my life from me. I, I freely lay it down. You know, and, and again, just like you said, though, Deacon Jeff, now that makes it easier for our blessed mother to watch, even though, uh, you know, to watch him suffer like this, even though she's been prepared for it all, all his life, including that first sorrow of Mary, you know, our first episode, the first sorrow of Mary, the prophecy of St. Simeon, she was told when they presented Christ in the temple, that he would be uh, a sign that would be contradicted, leading the rise and fall of many, um, and that a sword would pierce her heart. So the thoughts of many would be laid bare. You know, we, we said in that our first episode that that was the moment where her joys turned to sorrow. Mm-hmm. And that moment... That prophecy of St. Simeon, this is a culminating moment here at Calvary. And, you know, did she say anything to Jesus in that moment, looking upon him bloody, beaten, scourged, swollen with a cross upon his back? You know, did Jesus say anything to her? You brought up Mel Gibson. And I agree. I love that movie. And that's a very powerful moment. One thing that comes to mind, I'm wondering, drawing upon our discussion from last week, did he say to her, don't you know it must be about my father's business? He, I, I would imagine, I, maybe he wouldn't have said those because he would know that she's like going, Jesus, just let me be sorry. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. That is what he said to her back then when she and Joseph found him in the temple. And after they had gone missing for three days, after Jesus had gone missing for three days, he said, don't you know it must be about my father's business? And we hear in the gospel account that Mary kept those words in her heart. So maybe he didn't announce, say those words to her. He did when he made, made my eye contact. But yeah, did did she hear those words in her heart? Was she reminded she of that moment? Those. I would imagine they'd be reawakened. Yeah, right. I would imagine <clears throat> that. See, I see all of this as sort of this uh, this great moment of 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 fruition of just all of a sudden everything just kind of explodes together at that one big giant uh, revelation where it's like, mm-hmm. see, all of this stuff happened for a reason, and I love the fact that th- that you get a sense in all of this 
that Jesus never, ever, ever lost sight of his meaning, his purpose, his mission, and as the second person of the Trinity, what he was doing. Well, it's similar. I think any mother who, who sees her son go off to war can relate to this. You know, and, and that's because that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He's a soldier and he's going off to war to fight for us against our enemy, Satan and his minions to break their hold over us so that we can be delivered from the kingdom of the evil one to the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's going off to war. But it doesn't make it any easier for a mother to stand by and watch. Like, imagine for... It's still painful. It's still painful. Like, imagine if a mother or a father gets a phone call from their son who's in the Marine Corps or in special ops and says, Mom, Dad, this is it. You know, I I, uh, I don't even know if I'm allowed to make this phone call. Yeah, I can't, I can't tell you where I'm going. All I know is... This it's, is it. it may this not is end it. Well. This is probably a suicide mission, but Mom, Dad, it's going to save a lot of lives. How many times have we seen... We've all seen, uh, you know... Uh, Saving Private Ryan, and we've seen all these war movies. There's tons. T- Tom, you and I, we've passed back and forth oh, some yeah. really where eagles dare. You know all oh, these yeah. great, you know, war movies. I great. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they're they're profound. Classic stuff. But in almost all of them, there's like there's this point where a soldier will write something down on a piece of paper. Yeah. To be sent back to mom or their their wife or girlfriend or father, whatever, and it's like back to the family, and and you see in that moment. How important it is that they have some words for their loved one, right? Right, and so imagine, you know, in the in the war thing, especially between a, a mother and her son, that connection, right? That there's a physiological bond there, right? Right, they share DNA, right? They're they, I mean, you know, as my wife likes to say, you know, she held him under her heart for nine months. Oh wow! Right, there's a connection there, right? And and so. In that moment, you know, imagine, I mean, this is where the culmination of all this stuff, the, this is where the mission has been completed. Yes. Right? And she's seeing all this at once. So there's this, there's this got to be this sense of like, you did it, Jesus. You did what you said you were going to do. And I'm so blessed and the world is so blessed by this. This is wonderful. But at the same time, this is the most agonizing moment. Oh yeah, I in mean, my life to watch all this stuff happening. I mean, I would I would think like relating it to what we were talking about earlier, a, a parent seeing their child go off to war. On one hand, you know, um, there's a good chance in a lot of those families that a family, a very patriotic family, is proud that a child is willing to make that sacrifice for their country. Um, st- Still, it doesn't make it any easier. No, this the fear no. of what might happen, and especially hey, if the child dies. You know, if you if you if you are up to it if you think your heart can stand it uh recently i was in new york city and people t- when i was going there I was taking a couple of kids because they had never been it's kind of a bucket list thing for them i'd been a couple of times but not recently and everyone said you got to go to the 9-11 memorial you got to go to the 9-11 museum and see the whole thing and i know everyone it's hard for some people but there's a point in that thing you you see everything from the you know the the steel girder cross that they unearthed and put there and you you see all the 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 trinkets and things that they you know of that terrible catastrophe that just kind of put you there but i'm going to tell you the thing that still to this day haunts me uh was kind of the same thing we're talking about here a kid going off to war but uh they have like the recordings of the phone calls that people on some of the flights made wow. to their loved ones and most of them to their wife and just to hear hear the men talking hey honey this is you know sorry you're not there to hear the phone call but i just want to tell you i love you and it's like you're hearing this and they're just and as you're doing it 
Uh, and you hear the the one where the guy says, "Let it, let's, let's roll. roll." Right? Scott Beamer, I believe. Scott his name Beamer. Was. Yeah. yeah. So we're hearing that, and and there's this sense that they're they're doing exactly the thing you're talking. They're going to war, right? And yeah. and uh, you know, and I don't know how everyone feels about violence uh, against violence and things like that. And war is a tragic thing, no matter what you how you slice it. But the reality is, you know, they're going to save lives. That's what's in their heart. Yeah. That's what they're doing. We're going to go, and we're going to. Bust into this cockpit, and we're gonna and we're gonna take those guys out so that we can, and we know the plane's gonna crash. We right. know we're going to die, and you hear this this uh, steeliness in the, the sense of mission in their voice. You hear those words, and you know it's like they are on mission. Yeah. And that part was really profound, and it's not lost on me. And I can hear Jesus saying the same thing. And maybe I'm hearing them speak a little bit like Jesus. There's this, mm. like, I am on mission. I've been called, and I'm going to do this for the good of humanity. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save lives. I'm not going to allow these terrorists to do what they're trying to do. Uh, and it's just like it's so profound and it still raises the hair on my neck when they mm-hmm. say those words and you imagine yourself and then so then the Mary so Jesus is on the phone on the airplane right Mary is receiving the call or mm-hmm. is the is going to hear the answering machine later right right and so when you when you see it from the perspective of that mother or that wife or that son or father whatever whoever they called when you hear their voices, you imagine this is how Mary must have felt. Gosh, and it's so much more profound, and it's it's a lot easier to compassionate what Mary was going through when you actually hear words of men uh, and women that you know were knew that they were about to die. Absolutely, for a good cause. Absolutely, All right, it's tragic that they were in that situation, and no one would ever wish it on them. But I sure am glad that there were people that had steel nerves that were able to like carry out what they did to save lives, mm-hmm. right? Rather than have that last plane fly into Congress or the White House or whatever they were aiming at, right? How tragic that would have been, and how many more lives would have been lost, you know? Uh, I just, I just, you know, seeing, experiencing, and maybe feeling what Mary experienced is so powerful for us to see what it is, what it takes to essentially be on mission, yeah. each of us. And then also, like in, we've been talking about, compassionating Mary mm-hmm. and, and her sorrows, mm-hmm. and, and actually to try and do the best we can to hold those things in our heart mm-hmm. as we encounter whatever it is we encounter in the world. Mm-hmm. To, to, to try and encounter things like Jesus, but also to encounter things like the Blessed Mother. Yes. And by encountering things in that way, it's amazing how peace can enter your life. So this this fourth uh, sorrow of Mary, Mary meets Jesus at Calvary, is powerful, I think, for those reasons. So let's ask the Blessed Mother to be with us on this journey. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now, now at the hour of our, our death. death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.